welcome. This is Dr. Jacqueline, and thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity podcast. I am a naturopathic doctor and the owner of the Wellness Trinity, where we provide natural solutions for modern-day wellness. Just a little disclaimer before we get started. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What we do with the information or what you do with information is to be used at your discretion, as these recommendations are not intended to treat, diagnose, prevent, or cure any diseases. So today I have someone special on the podcast. Her name is Alexandra Harbushka, and she is the founder of Life with Herpes. This is um, a support group for people that have herpes, uh, either anywhere around the body. And um, she's going to kind of debunk some things about um, herpes and how it, uh, you know, is more common than we think. And, and just give us some ideas of what we could do to test and how to prevent um, you know, transmitting this from each other. So without further ado, welcome, Alexandra. Hi. Thanks for having me, Dr. Jacqueline. I'm really excited to be here. And of course, I love talking about herpes. So not, not a lot of people do, but <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. So um, just so the listeners know, I, I met um, Alexandra, I met you a few months ago, and um, I was just so blown away that someone could just be so upfront and, and just talk about a topic that's, you know, most really uncomfortable for most people, yet so many people are probably suffering with it at the same time. And so um, I know many people that you work with are probably very grateful that you come out of the box with this whole thing. And, you know, I, actually, why don't we even just start with your story? Why, how did you even get into this? Sure. As I just breathed in, I like choked on my own saliva. Hold on. Let me take a quick sip. <laughs> I, got, I got so excited to talk about it. Um, so I have two types of herpes. I have HSV1 and HSV2, which I'll clarify um, as we continue to talk. But I was diagnosed with oral herpes or HSV1 in 2003. And then couple years later in 2011, I was diagnosed with genital herpes. Both were a shock. Both were something I never thought I would get. Both were, um, you know, when I got oral herpes, which is so, so, so common, um, two out of three people have oral herpes or HSV1. Two out of three people have that. So it's very, very, very common. Um, but I, I, I never thought, I mean, I, I was, I w- I'm kind of a germaphobe. And so I would never share, you know, anyone's drink or anything like that. But I went on a date when I was 20 and my date had a cold sore and he kissed me goodnight. And voila, a couple of days later, I ended up in the hospital because I was so sick. Um, it, yeah, if, if you're not familiar with herpes, you get, it, it's like a flu like symptoms, but it's, you know, super high fever. And of course, you know, when you're in your twenties or as an adult having a high fever, it can be really dangerous. So anyways, I had to go to the hospital. So getting oral herpes did not have the stigma that getting genital herpes by any means on no comparison whatsoever had, uh, it, I just kind of had it and went on with my life and, when I was diagnosed with genital herpes in 2011, I, I thought that, I mean, my, my life came to an end at, at that point. I mean, I, I remember getting the phone call. I was driving. It was the Friday before 4th of July, and my doctor calling and said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have herpes. 
And I just thought, what? How is this even possible? How could this, how? how? I, I, I did quote unquote the right thing. And I don't like, and I put that in quotes because that's what plays into the stigma is the right thing, right? And we think the right thing is uh, being monogamous and not sleeping around or don't sleep with that person. Like we all have that idea of who that person is that would have herpes. Um, I didn't, I didn't, in my mind, I didn't sleep with that person. Uh, but, but what I've completely learned on this journey and especially with my community, it's there, it's, it's the stigma was put in place to almost, uh, hurt us into a, a group and make us feel bad or make us feel dirty or make us feel like we have the scarlet letter or make us feel any of these things when when all it all it is 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 just a stupid little virus that it's a skin rash is it that's all it is so uh, that's kind of that so earlier i mentioned you know I, i'd explain the difference between oral herpes and genital herpes or hsv1 and hsv2 and basically that they're the same virus um until very recently, I believe in the 70s is when we were able to differentiate that between HSV-1 and HSV-2. Before then, people thought it was the exact same virus. HSV-1 is typically oral herpes. It typically likes the mouth. Uh, and HSV-2 is typical, typically in the genital regions. Um, it typically prefers that. However, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that if you have, if your if your doctor sends you your medical uh, transcripts or whatever the right word is for that, and if you say, "Oh, HSV one," that doesn't mean that you have oral herpes. It could mean that you could have it in your genital region as well. So it it's a combination of crisscross whatever way it wants to show up. Um, the reason why, and, and this is something to think about, is is our our skin or tissue around our mouth, so like our lips and our genital tissue, they're very similar. I never really thought of that before <laughs> until I started doing this, but the tissues are very similar and it, it likes kind of a moist area. And so if you think about it, they're both kind of similar and that's why the virus likes those two areas. Um, like I mentioned earlier, HSV-1, two out of three people have that and HSV-2, one out of six. Basically it boils down to, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people with herpes that either don't realize that they, they, they don't, a lot of times you'll, you'll see people that have oral herpes and they'll be like, ew, genital herpes, gross. And they don't realize that it's the exact same thing, which is different locations. So I've been really focusing on trying to break that stigma. In fact, can I tell a quick story? Yeah, definitely. So I was at a, uh, a podcasting uh, event and I was speaking and I was asked to speak because of the topic being so unique about, you know, basically speaking on, on your story and your brand. So I was at this podcast event talking about herpes and I, and I got off the stage and, and this man came up to me and he's like, do you get a lot of backlash and do you get like a lot of negative static for for talking about this and you get people not wanting to talk to you or not wanting to touch you. And like, he basically alienated me as he was, he's telling me this. I said, no, not at all. I said, I've not heard anything negative about it. Really? I said, I'm sure people talk about it behind my back. They probably snicker like we all do in kindergarten or high school, or like that, that normal snicker. I said, but it's never been said to my face. And he said, well, well, I dated this girl and she had genital herpes and I, and I, 
she told me before we had sex and I broke up with her because I didn't want to die. And I, I looked at him and I was like, well, why would you die? He goes, well, I just, I didn't want to die. Like, and I said, so you're, you're, you, you're saying that herpes is HIV. It's two different. These are two totally different viruses. He's like, I thought you died from herpes. I said, no, not at all. You don't die from herpes. Herpes is a stupid, silly skin disease that is made you, is, is made to make you feel bad. And he goes, well, I get cold sores. And then I said to him, I'm like, so wait a minute. You realize that a cold sore is herpes, right? He goes, well, yeah. I said, so you're going to tell me that you broke up with a girl because she had herpes when you have herpes too? He's like, <laughs> he goes, uh, he didn't know what to say. He was like, well, it's different. It's the oral kind. I was like, and if you have oral sex with her, you could give it to her genitally. Like it, it's, it's the same thing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it, it goes back and forth. He, and it was just, so that's my point is so many people don't realize A, how common it is and B, that it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's what I love about what you're doing is the most really is that you're really trying to break the stigma of uh, people that just think, oh my gosh, they have this type this life sentence, you know, death sentence and, you know, I can never date again and all that stuff. And, and, um, you know, I think your story is beautiful and, and you're married, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my husband doesn't have herpes and people ask me that all the time. Um, so I'm always, I'm like going to just give that information out because people, they're always like, does he have it too? Or, um, he doesn't and he doesn't care and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I know that we were talking about thinking of talking about this later on, but at the same point, I'm on that note, I want to talk about how you prevent this, you know, from transmitting from a partner. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the number one concerns, of course, when you're diagnosed, especially in, and I would say in, in the demographic of millennials, especially in the hookup culture that, that is where it is now. Um, I do, ha- I do have a lot of people that come to me that are teenagers or they're in college or they're just in their, you know, early twenties. And regardless of having herpes, that's a really hard time in your life. Um, on, on all levels, but especially to think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to find anyone. And it's still a, it's, it's still a, um, the dating game at that age is, is very fickle. Um, and, and so that's one of the biggest fears. What I like to recommend, what, I, so just to make sure everybody knows it's herpes is a virus and Dr. Jacqueline can obviously go more into viruses than I can, but viruses stay with us for the rest of our life. So once they enter our body and enter and they decide to make our body their home, we will die with them. They go with us for the rest of our life. So they're going to spend their entire time with us. Different viruses pop up at different times in life. Herpes is one of them. It's a virus that our body just it gets weak and the virus is like, hey, I'm going to show up. It's like when your parents go out of town in high school, you're going to throw a party. Same thing. So you're, when your body's weak, the virus is going to show up. So that's something I just want to make sure we know. It's not like the chickenpox virus, which is also a herpes virus. It's a cousin of the her- It's in the family. And once you get it, you get one outbreak and then it goes away. You don't get it ever again. The chickenpox never comes back. So herpes is different in the sense that we get it throughout our life. So one of the, the major things that I like to tell my community and, and people living with herpes is 
one of the biggest myths is that if there's no active outbreak, then you cannot transfer it. And that's a big myth. There's this thing called asymptomatic shedding, which again was very new in discovery. People always thought, well, if it's not showing up, then you can't pass it. So what happens is just like any other part of our body, the, the virus wants to shed. So think of it, you know, your hair sheds, you scratch your skin, you have dead cells come off, your, your eyes will naturally cry. Like, you know, your body's naturally shedding waste and, and getting rid of stuff. So the virus itself decides like, oh, I just need to kind of just do some shedding. I'm going to do some spring cleaning. And what the virus does is it pops up to the surface and it at that point is, is contagious. The person has no signs, symptoms, and doesn't even know that he or she is shedding. So I, you can, I can speak right now. I have oral herpes as well. Um, I have no signs of anything around my mouth. However, if my body is shedding, then I could be contagious to somebody if I kiss them. So that's just a simple example. So that's one of the things that is really important leading into my my steps for preventing it. So it's important that you know that and it's important that you discuss that with your partner and that your partner knows that. So the number one thing that I recommend people doing is just communication, talking mm-hmm. and, and telling your partner and, and letting your partner know because I truly believe if we communicated this, this virus wouldn't have lasted this long, right? If we communicated and said, hey, this is what's going on with me right now. Let me just back off a little bit or let's not share our dinner or I'm not going to take a sip of your beer or we're not going to have sex, whatever it is. Let me just, you know, let's communicate what's going on. I believe the transmission rate would be extremely, uh, it would, it would go down. It, It wouldn't be an epidemic of what it is now. So number one is communicating that to your partner. Another thing in the communication that I like to recommend that is the, the, and I don't know if I discussed this, the virus like to pop up when your immune system's down. So kind of like I use the analogy of when your parents are out of town and you're in high school, you throw, you throw a party. It's the same type of thing when your body's worn down, when it's, when it's, it has, doesn't have the proper nutrition or it doesn't have proper sleep, or you just, you've just, you've burnt the candle from both ends is a really good time for the virus to pop up. It's like, Hey, I'm here. So that's another thing I really like to tell couples to communicate with their partners and they'll be like, Hey, I'm just run down. I'm run down. I feel like I'm coming down with something. Let me just, let me take a break today. Let me sleep it off. And then do you mind, you know, tomorrow. So communication, communications and just sharing what's going on with your body. Number two is there is an antiviral that you can take that reduces that reduces the transmission rate. And what the difference is between an antiviral and an antibiotic, which is, where a lot of people get confused. They say, oh, this is a cure. And again, I mentioned earlier that the virus is in our body for life, right? So there is no cure. But what we can do is we can keep the virus dormant in our nervous system. And this antiviral, and I don't know what an antiviral really does. I'm not, I'm not a doctor like Dr. Jacqueline. But whatever it does <laughs> is it, it keeps the virus dormant. And it keeps it from popping up. So it keeps it from showing up and having an active out- outbreak and it also keeps it from the doing the shedding. So it significantly reduces the viral shedding, which is back to what we were talking about um, with, with asymptomatic symptoms, you can, still, you can still transmit. So by taking a daily anti, antiviral, 
the suppression is reduced by 48%, which is huge. So that's not quite 50%, but it really reduces the transmission of herpes. So there's a lot of couples out there that are, that, that, that one has herpes and the other doesn't, and they take a daily antiviral and they've been fine, right? It, the, the transmission rate is significantly reduced. The third way that I, I'm very adamant about is using latex protection. So whether that's a latex condom, whether that's a latex female condom or a dental dam, um, using those three, one of the three or whatever, whatever you're doing, um, using that to prevent the transmission because the, the virus is skin to skin. So if you can take away the skin to skin contact, then you are, you're good to go. So using the, the, a condom or, which is what we, we commonly know as use protection and we know it's a condom, right? Like that just like goes in our mind, but it's dental, dental dams, female condoms, and then regular old condoms but that can reduce it by 30 to 50% transmission. So if you do all those three things together, you're really going to cut back on transmission. You're really going to cut back on, on, and, and it's, it's such a great way. I mean, having those really uncomfortable conversations with your partner is really a romantic thing to do. I know that sounds kind of like an oxymoron, but it requires you to get really deep with your partner and saying, this is what's going on with me right now. And this is, this might be really, really hard for me to tell you, but then it, it opens up this new, uh, deeper connection for you and your partner to work through it together. Does that right. make sense? Which, which yeah. is sexy, which is super sexy. <laughs> and, uh-huh. And then it allows other conversations to happen. And then it just puts you both on the same page. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, when you can have those type of conversations with your partner or anyone, really, I mean, it just, it builds that trust level or yeah. you realize you can't trust that person and <laughs> you separate from them. So you either go deeper or you go away. It seems like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really, uh, I love how you say that it's, it's sexy. It's sexy to it have is. conversations and, and um, you make it like, sexy to have this conversation about in general about, right. <laughs> about herpes so um so that's interesting too that you say it's only skin to skin so if someone shares um some type of bodily juice like blood or saliva vaginal juice they're not necessarily going to transfer that way so let me clear so it is skin to skin it's not blood it's not like you know you know if you share a heroin needle or something it's not like the hepatitis or, or hiv or anything like that however the virus can live, uh, so, so for, let, and let's just use an example, and, and I don't mean to be graphic, but I'm going to use the example. Let's say someone has oral herpes, either they have an outbreak or they're shedding, so the, the virus is active, it's, it's active on their mouth. Let's say they go and decide to use their saliva for lubricant. The virus could, you know, the saliva could, the, the virus can get in the saliva, and then it goes from like A to B in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And then you can transmit it uh, to the genital region. So that's just an example of how that can happen. Another way is sharing a lipstick. You can, you know, a bunch of girls in college getting ready to go to a, a homecoming together or whatever. And you're all together and you're like, oh, let me try on your lipstick. And then you pass the next lipstick and you think about it. Lipstick is moist. It's kind of damn, you know, it, 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 so the virus can live on that lipstick for a period of time. How long? I've heard various uh, timeframes, but that's something to keep in mind. You know, you pick up, you pick up a, 
a glass, you know, I have my, my glass of tea here. Let's say I have an active outbreak and I take a sip and I go, oh, hey, you want to try it? And you go right to the exact same spot, then yeah, you could transmit it that way as well. Okay. Okay. So I, I mean, it would be safe to say if you think at all that you're dealing with this, uh, an outbreak or viral shedding, yeah, you should just stay away from anybody really. Not yeah, I, not, yeah. I get asked a lot like, oh, can my kids take a bath with me? And, you know, can my kids take a shower with me? And I say, yeah, as long as you're not going to expose them to it, you know, like maybe wear a, a bathing suit bottom, you know, if you're going to take a bath with them, like just don't, don't, expo- don't, ha- you, you know, everyone has it in a little different area and you just don't want, you know, if your, your kid's in your shower with you and they, they grab you around the leg and accidentally, you know, you just want to be a little bit careful of it. Um, but I I hear so many people and it makes me so sad. And when I tell them like, it's okay, breathe, they'll say, I won't even get in the swimming pool with my kids because I'm afraid that I'll transmit it. I'm like, no, A, there's chlorine. B, if you don't have an outbreak and you're not, they're not touching it, like take, go, go, go to the pool, like take a bubble bath with your kids. It's fine. You're not going to transmit it that way. Like you're okay you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find since it, it grows in moist and damp areas, um, do you find that different environments that people are from uh, around the world will make a difference too? I haven't really heard anything about that. Um, I do know more women than men have herpes just based on our anatomy. If you think about it, uh, we're, there's, we're just all exposed. Uh, and also, and this is what I'm finding is because of the culture of waxing and shaving and, and having the Brazilian bikini or whatever you want, to, the, the look of, of the, the shaved bikini, that people, women, are much more exposed to it because the hair actually protects. The hair is a natural defense to protecting, you know, uh, diseases and infection. And when we went through this whole new wave of having everything clean, I guess, is that, or like waxing it or getting, getting rid of it. I don't know. Clean isn't the right word, but getting rid of it, bare. Um, being bare, <laughs> it exposes, it's, it's, you're literally now skin to skin. So that's also why I feel men don't have it as much because not as many men will do like a bikini wax. Like, you yeah, know, like yeah. they don't, they don't uh, necessarily trim or keep that all uh, bare down there. So that's another thing too. And if you think about it, the way the anatomy works with the condom, a man is pretty covered, right? Because his, when he's having sex, he's pretty covered. A woman, we're, there, there's areas that are not covered, right? So we're still exposed. Mm, okay. Well, so, you know, I know you said that this is hugely related to stress. Do you think that, mm-hmm. well, why don't you touch on that first and then I'll ask my second question. So stress, mm-hmm. yeah. So stress plays so many roles, and and you can definitely really you can talk on it more on obviously being a doctor, but stress just does so much to our body. It lowers our immune system. It it either allows it forces us to uh, go into the fight or flight mode, or fight fight excuse me fight flight or freeze. And when you're in that mode, your body's just on overtime. And when your body's on overtime, what happens? You get sick, you get run down, you uh, don't take care of yourself, you maybe don't eat 
healthy because you're like, I, I'm on the run. Let me just go through McDonald's. Like I just got to go. So you're, you're, it's, it's all these things that external lifestyle things Mm -hmm. that just play a role. So stress is one of those things that absolutely pops up. And, and when you are stressed out, even though you may not feel that you're stressed, um, I, I know for myself, when I stress my body, my outbreaks show up and it could be something good. Like you think you're doing something good for your body. Uh, and you're, cause your body doesn't know the difference between happiness and sadness. So you could be so excited, like a kid on Christmas, so excited, can't sleep, waking up. Oh my, like Santa's here. And that same stress on your body is the same as, uh, you know, losing your dog, right? Like, and like being so sad and depressed or having a a breakup or a loss of a loved one or stressing yourself at work. So your body doesn't know the difference, even though it's, you could be super excited and happy, but it's also playing a toll on your body. So all these little, all these little things, absolutely. For me personally, the things that stress my body are travel. Anytime I travel in a time zone, I switch a time zone, which really requires a plane ride. Um, just the all day of traveling. So if I go East coast to West coast, that just absolutely, my body just freaks out it. And I don't re- and I'm excited again, back to like, I can't wait. I'm excited to go on a trip, but it's really hard on my body. So for me, it's lack of sleep that really triggers it. So that's, yeah, stress just plays a huge role and, and it's important to get that managed, you know, and, yeah. and do a yoga and do a namaste and do a downward dog and take a <laughs> bubble bath. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like to give people supplements too that help to calm, calm their body down. I'm always talking to them about the flight or flight mode and, you know, we don't want to be, most of us are just always in this go, go, go mode. And when we're not help. They're not healthy, and they see me. That's one of the first things I'm like. Okay, let's try to calm down. I'm the first to admit, you know, of having living very stressful life, trying to live the American dream and be an entrepreneur, and and then help all these people that are not healthy, and then myself suffering as a result because <laughs> right I'm trying to do too much. And then, so I've learned uh, just having adaptogenic herbs and um, and even amino targeted amino acid therapy that can help to just calm the body down. And even in the midst of all this stuff going around that it, it just really helps to, to not have those viruses and those parasites and bacteria and all that kind of stuff come to the surface. And now we have a huge problem. So, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good old fashioned nap, you know, right, <laughs> and yeah. And just going like, Oh, okay. And, and not being hard on yourself too. Like a perfect example of myself today. I, I, um, was on my way to work out. Like I was on my way to the gym and I'm driving and I'm like, Mm-mm. my body is just, nope. It doesn't want to do. And like, I was up out of the house dressed. Like it wasn't a, Oh no. Like I was on my way. I was there. And I thought, Nope, I'm tired. I don't want to do it. I turned back around and I went back to bed because yeah. I'm tired. Cause I know that if I don't listen to my body, then I get an outbreak. Yeah. Like I know that. And it's hard to be like, just do it, Alexandra. You'll be fine after. No, my body doesn't like that. And that's the other thing that, that people will do is we forget that when we do have outbreaks, our bot we're sick. Like it's mm-hmm. like having a cold, right? Yeah. How many times, and we're all guilty, have we had that cold and we'll wake up and we're like, man, I'm totally coming down with a cold. And if I could just 
go home and take a nap and have some chicken noodle soup and then, you know, like sleep, then the next day I'd be fine. And how many of us go, oh, but it'll be fine. And we go out to the happy hour or we go to the gym or we go to whatever and then boom, we're out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same thing with herpes. Yeah. Like, you're sick. Go home. Take a yeah. nap. Go to bed. You're mm-hmm. sick. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like you've had a lot of learning lessons on, on just how to be in tune with your body through this process, huh? Trying. Always. I'm always working on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest thing that I, I try to work with my clients too is just, you know, to, to listen to yourself. If, and, you know, we're so programmed to want to keep going and achieving and doing more and and, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff just kind of heightens all of that. It's like, well, we got to look like we're always having a good time and always happy and, <laughs> you know, and it's like, then we're pushing ourselves to, to the limit. And then these are why these um, different types of toxins and um, viruses and all that kind of stuff will rise to the surface and now actually create a problem where before, you know, I think we're actually born with a lot of these different things and it just, it's not a problem unless we aggravate it. So, totally. Yeah. And, and on the like woo-woo side of it, and, and I, I, I was just talking, I, I do a live every Friday to my community, and so I was live, and, and I had someone, and she was like, she's 22, and she's like, it's the hookup culture, I have herpes, I'm jealous of my friends that can just like go have one night stands, and I can't, and I'm angry, and why me? And so I asked her, and I was like, look, I want you, I want you to, to your body your friends could have been exposed to it too, but your body picked it up. And so I want to really challenge you and get deep onto why your body wanted you to do this. Were you burning the candle from both ends? Did you need to get your health in order? Did you need to get your life in order? Are you dating someone that is not right for you? Are you, are you in a lifestyle because you think you should be in the lifestyle or are you in it because it's, you really want to, right? So like, I really invite people on any type of thing, whether, you know, it could be thyroid, it could be, um, not being able to sleep, I could, whatever it is, but your body is telling you mm-hmm. it, it's laying it out for you. Like, look, if you don't listen to me, then this is going to happen. If you don't slow down, then I'm going to make you slow down. Right. Yep. Yeah, no, that's totally not woo at all. And uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, our, our bodies are so intelligent and, mm-hmm. um, you know, more so than not, we are burning the candle at two, two ends. And then there's um, all this emotional stuff going on, like you're mentioning too, or, or alluding to at least. It's, yeah. I love how you do it in a kind of sneaky way. I'm kind of just like, hello. <laughs> um, but, you know, this, um, you know, you mentioned a few times the hookup culture and, I, um, you know, it's, I, I used to work in the nightlife and people that know me or follow me for a second will know I, I was a bottle server in some of the biggest nightclubs and just strip clubs and all kinds of places all over the strip. And that's just the lifestyle of a modern day culture. And, um, looking back and getting out of that situation, I'm like, you know, I was traumatized. <laughs> I was traumatized by what I saw. I had to have so much emotional healing and, you know, I didn't trust men after that. And, you know, it wasn't even like I was completely engaged in that situation, but at the same time, just be, seeing what was going on made me not be able to trust someone. And, and, you know, when I finally met my fiance, it was like, it took me years to be able to trust him. It wasn't even his fault. <laughs> so, right. you know, on that, that, that note of like, well, what is, you know, what is this trying to teach you? 
um, you know, I, I would hope that what you're doing is also kind of starting a revolution of like, hey, um, is this really healthy for us, this hookup culture? <laughs> right. And, and chances are men and women, human, human, animals, we've been having sex forever, right? Because if we didn't have sex, then we wouldn't have gotten here. Animals, like elephants, giraffes, whatever, like fish, We've all, every, everyone, every culture has to have sex in order to produce offspring. Have we been having the hookup culture forever? Probably in different um, cultures, right? But, but it, it's become a point of, it's totally okay to, to hook up, but you have to, you have to understand why you're doing it and you have to understand that you need to be safe about it. And I think the issue is, is especially in your early 20s, you're still invincible. You still really haven't had anything really major happen in your life, chances are. And you think that there's no way I'll get that. And, and we don't realize that, that these choices that we make can, can impact our entire life. And all that it requires is having a conversation with your partner. That's it. Just have a conversation and use protection. Yeah. That's all that it requires. And we're not doing that. That's really the point is we're not, we're not telling our partner or we're having it in the heat of the moment. Like, Oh, well, do you have any STDs? Like as you're about to have sex, like <laughs> what, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's not, you know, that's not going to, or people aren't using condoms or whatever, as long as there's yeah. a conversation and, and doing it the right way, then, then, um, then there wouldn't be this epidemic. Right. Well, and um, your notes tell me that 80% of people have the um, HSV2. Am I saying that correct? Yeah. That's that. Um, yeah, know it. And so, yeah. if, so if that many people know it, uh, maybe the conversation would help that 20%. But, you know, um, let's go into testing since how many people don't know yeah. that? <laughs> So yeah, of so 16% of the population have HSV2. Of that 16%, 80% don't know they have it. Oh, okay, sorry. Crazy. Yeah. No, no, yeah. That's fine. Crazy, right? Like absolutely crazy. I've heard I can remember when I was in college and they would say, you know how like the, the blood bank shows up at your university to, to donate blood whenever there's a, a crisis or an event and college campuses say that they diagnose so many college kids with HIV by just donating blood. And these kids have no idea because they're just like, Oh, the, the blood bank's here. Let me, of course I'll donate my blood. Right. And of course the blood bank has to, to check the blood. Right. And they've said that they've, every time they go to a college campus, it's like, Oh, there's, I, and I don't know the statistics and the percents, but I remember that's like a really, that's how most people find out they have HIV. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just got chills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is so crazy. And these are young yeah. kids, uh, just barely starting or not even yep. starting their life. They're trying to figure it out, you know. Jeez. Right. And yeah. they don't know. That's the point is you, you don't know. You, you just, you either, you either, I, I don't know about HIV, but with herpes is you ignore it and you go, oh, it's just an itch or, oh, it looks like a paper cut. So I must have nicked it shaving or I must have gotten it in the zipper or I must have, it's been hot out. So I must have, I was playing basketball or whatever excuse we tell ourselves. Mm. So how do people get tested for this? 
there's two ways. Uh, well, there's multiple ways, but it boils down to two. There's a swab or there's blood. Both are, are effective and, and reliable. It depends on when you perform the test. So for example, when you're first, well, let's say you have a sore and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Actually, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. So you, wait, how, how do I want to describe it? I'll go back to my sore. So you have a sore and let's say you, you let it go for a couple days and you're like, I don't know, should I go to the doctor? And you're like, eh, it's kind of healing. Eh, I'll just go anyways. I'll go because it's kind of healed. And what can happen is they can do a swab, which is basically like a Q-tip on the sore. And let's say they, they do that, they whatever they do with the Q-tip, I don't know, they send it off to the, the lab and the lab comes back and says, oh, you're negative for herpes. And you're like, phew, whew, I'm good. Well, what can happen in that process is the sore can heal. Mm -hmm. So when the sore heals, the virus isn't necessarily up at the surface. It's, it's healed. Maybe there was a scab, something like that. So you, your test could come back negative. Now, let's say in that same time, you have your first sore and you're like, okay, let's do the blood test. Uh, they, they, they pull the blood and they're looking for the antibodies and the antibodies will show if you have the herpes virus. Well, sometimes it takes your body a long time to make these antibodies. It's not an instant thing. Like the virus just doesn't show up and then you have an antibody. It, it takes a while to make them. So in a lot of cases as well, people will say, well, I did the blood test and it came up negative. Well, maybe you didn't have enough time. Like maybe you got in there day one and the, the body's still on freak out mode, right? So there are two tests. They are both very effective if you do them at the right time. So I always tell people do both and because if they're like, well, I, I have a sore, but it came out negative. Either your antibodies haven't been, they're not showing up or the sore healed. And with it, both tests can tell you the difference between the blood test. So you, they draw your blood and they can tell you, okay, it's HSV1 or HSV2. But what they cannot tell you in the blood test is where it is. So there'll be, there'll be people back to that 80% that have no idea they have herpes and they, they do a blood draw and, and they get their results and they're like, well, I don't know where it is. I don't know where my outbreak is. Is it oral? Is it genital? And a lot of times people don't even know where their outbreaks are. The difference between having a swab, which the beauty in that is they're actually going to swab the sore so you know where it is. Like if they swab your mouth, then you know it's in your mouth. Mm -hmm. If they, they swab your genital region, then you know where that is. Um, so those are, those are kind of the, the two type of tests that, that, are, that are, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have them, you know, and it depends on where you are in, in your outbreak or where you are in your, your diagnosis. Now, there's a lot of people that will suddenly, again, never had an outbreak to their knowledge, go get tested for whatever, and they come back and they're like, you have herpes. And they're like, what are you talking about? I've never had an outbreak. What that means is, is you have had some form of an outbreak in order to have antibodies. Back to the science of it, and Dr. Dr. Jacqueline can definitely define that a little bit more, but in order to have a positive antibodies in your body, there had to be some sort of reaction to the virus coming in, the fighter T cells doing their little job, and then you get these little antibodies. So they, people have had minor outbreaks, kind of like, again, go back to a cold. Have we woken up and been like, 
oh, I'm kind of sick, and then you sleep it off, and then you don't get the cold. You're like, oh, it wasn't a cold. I was just tired. But it really was a cold, right? Same thing with, with an outbreak. It could have just been a little cut that you didn't even notice. It could have been could have just been so small that it, it just got unnoticed. But yeah. Yeah. So is there a specific name for this test? Yeah, there's, it's called the IgG. Okay. Um, and that is, that's, that's, that's the most reliable one. There's, there's a couple, um, there's a couple of different blood tests, but the most reliable and the most accurate is the IgG. And that's, they're looking for those antibodies in your, in your bloodstream. Okay. And then what about the swab test? What is that one called? It's just, just, it's like, I have an outbreak. Will you check it. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, it's just, <laughs> go to your medical doctor and then we'll swap your outbreak and then we'll, we'll run that test. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I was just telling someone today, cause he's like, I have oral herpes and I get these sores in my mouth and I don't know, is it canker sores? Is it oral herpes? Like, what is it? And, and so I said, I'm like, go get it swabbed. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know what it is in your mouth. You have to go get it swabbed on that location to know what it is. Typically the virus doesn't like to go inside your mouth. That would be a canker sore. Mm, okay. um, it likes the outside of your mouth. It really doesn't like the inside. But if you're ever questioning like, oh, I have this rash on my butt, is that herpes? Go, just go get it swabbed next time you have it. And then they will say, oh yeah, that right there is herpes. If you do the blood test, you'll never know where it is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So it, even if you have it in your mouth, I would think that it's still traveling around in your bloodstream. Oh, absolutely. But what, my, what I'm saying is you may not know. It could be a canker sore. It could be strep throat. It could be – so people will think, oh, it, that must be herpes, even though it could be something totally different that's going on in your mouth is what oh, I'm trying to say. Actually, what, I'm, um, what my question is is that like even oh. – so if you have it in your mouth and it's traveling in the bloodstream, then you could probably get it in other places. Is what I would assume. No, it it will it'll stay within the the area that it was exposed originally. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh huh. Okay. So it doesn't it it can travel. So perfect example. Let's say you you have herpes on the mouth. You're not going to randomly have it pop up um, on your leg. Like it, it's not going to do that. It can. So using the mouth as an example, it can travel like up your cheek or it can travel like up to your nose. It can travel in that area, but it's not randomly going to go show up, you know, on your arm or your, it's just not, it can't jump around, but it can okay. move within the area. Same thing with genital herpes. You know, let's say if you typically get it, um, you know, on an outer labia and then all of a sudden you now get it, um, you know, on your butt cheek, same thing. It can kind of travel in that area, but it's not going to randomly show up on my mouth. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Um, yeah. I mean, either way, no one really likes to have that situation, but it is kind of nice to know that, well, you know, if you have it in one area or even on your mouth, that maybe it's not necessarily going to travel here or go all over your face. Or, um, but right. when you also have a cold sore, I mean, if you start to aggravate it, it would move. It would get bigger, right? Right, if you itch them and you you pick at it and don't don't let it heal again. Back to you're you're sick. You 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 have you, your body's under attack, right? Like you, a lot of times you get a fever. A lot of times your lymph nodes are swollen. You you you're exhausted, and then we try and push ourselves, and then it 
continues to grow. Okay. Now, do you use anything topically too? Um, I like to recommend. I like to recommend for outbreaks. A lot of people get itchy. They 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 say that it just it itches and itches and itches. And I I personally don't have that, so I I don't I don't I don't know. But I like to recommend taking an Epsom salt bath because what the Epsom salts do, they do so many wonderful things like they lower your stress. They lower, they, you know, neutralize your uh, nervous system. They, are, they relax you. They, the Epsom salts does so many great things for your muscles, like on this all other level. But what it does for the actual outbreak is it dries it up. Mm, okay. The salts can dry it up. So take a bubble or an Epsom salt bath, put some essential oils in there and just kind of relax. That really helps and that relieves a lot of people. I've heard, and everyone's a little different, some people will put ice on the sore for relief. Other people like something hot, like a, like a hot cloth. It's just a personal preference to relieve kind of the pain. Um, I recommend using coconut oil. It's antiviral, antiseptic, antibacterial, anti-whatever. <laughs> it's, it's like a miracle thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And it, you know, if it's kind of dry and itchy, it's like a lubricant and it, it just kind of helps soothe the area. So I recommend that a lot. What else? Um, there's, there's just a ton of little home remedies that you can do. You know, aloe vera, um, essential oils, it, everybody has their own thing. Like I, like I mentioned, I don't get itchy, um, but I, I get pain. Like it hurts. Like it's, it's like a, like I can feel it in my toe type of pain. Um, so, you know, just taking a, a Tylenol yeah. helps me. So, yeah. So I was just thinking even more so that it, so it doesn't continue to, to grow before it starts to get out of control. Um, I mean, if you can nip it in the bud, so a lot of people just, if, if you can nip it and take the antiviral, I mean, that it works, right? The antiviral definitely works. Not everybody wants to take a prescription drug, but that definitely works the best. And if you can nip it in the bud before it, it gets to the next level, then it's a sm much smaller, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I have um, herbal remedies too that I use that are also antiviral. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, – pharmaceutical, but Viracron, one of these supplements that I use with doctor's research is, you know, incredible with any type of virus that is just, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't put any names necessarily out there, but, but any type of really strong virus it's really good for. So, you know, there's, there's other options out there too. Yeah. yeah. And diet and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 So, wow. Well, I mean, I feel like we just opened the whole can of worms and like the whole box of herpes <laughs> information. And, yeah. Um, I just love how you just know so much about this. And, um, you know, again, that you're really trying to change the stigma on this and, and help people that feel like they've lost their life almost. So, you know, it's amazing what you're doing. And um, can you tell people how to find you and your podcast and all that good stuff you're doing? Yeah. Just go to lifewithherpes.com. Um, there's, it, it's, it's a, online community for people living with herpes. It is a podcast. It is a YouTube channel. Uh, if you just Google life with herpes, I'll pop up. You can access it, whatever your, whatever your favorite way is, whether you're a YouTuber or a podcaster, obviously you're a podcaster if you're listening to this podcast. Um, so whatever is the best way. And there's, there's 
there are actually thousands of people just like, you know, myself who has herpes and, and if you have herpes just like you. So there's lots of people over there just like us who have it that are warm, welcome, welcoming and, um, you know, breaking the stigma together. So hop on over, join, say hi. Yeah. yeah. And you have um, a workbook and some other goodies on there too. I do. I have some, some downloads. I have home remedies. Uh, I have things I wish I had known before I had herpes, like, uh, you know, like one of the things is people think that using a condom will 100% pre- prevent passing herpes, but it doesn't, you know, so just using just things that I wish I would have known before. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good to know too. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so visiting our site is not just for people with herpes, but even just people that want to prevent themselves from getting to that point too. Oh, totally. Or just want to learn about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I find it so fascinating. And, and so as our, our mastermind group that that you're a part of too, which we just, we just were so amazed at how yeah. a topic of like herpes can be. Thanks. So, yeah. So, well, thank you for, again, is there anything else that you wanted to say? Any last comments? No, I, I just want to thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited and um, you're doing such a great job by sharing your information and your knowledge and, and just sharing it with the community out there. It's awesome. It's podcasting is such a great medium. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it so far. And uh, thanks for being that, that encouragement with me too because uh, watching you do what you do is I'm like, okay, she's doing it. <laughs> she's doing a great job. Thanks. So, yeah, okay, all right. All right. We'll chat again soon. Have Sounds good. All right, bye. Bye. And if any of you are interested in learning more about having a consultation with me to discover what is at the root of your health and fitness challenges so you can live the best life that you can live and fulfill your callings and purpose in life, please visit thewellnesstrinity.com to learn more about our in-office and distant consultations.